Well, welcome uh, to H2O. My name is Brian Miles. I'm one of the pastors here. As you can see from that video and the song that we did, we are launching into a new series that we're calling Art of Love. And uh, if you're here again at the 9 a.m. service, if you're joining us online, thank you guys for coming out early. It is great. This is kind of a historic day for us at H2O to go to three services, two here downtown and one over on campus. And it's so exciting to see God help to continue to grow and mature our church and we're so glad that you're here and that you want to be a part of it. So a special welcome if you're newer, you're checking out H2O for one of the first times. Uh, as we're launching into this series, The Art of Love, I think that it is a topic that so many of us are interested in, right? The, the Art of Love. We titled it The Art of Love because we know that love in general, when we think about that, it is certainly not a science, is it? It is definitely more of an art than a science. If it were a science, we'd have a lot more scientists. If it were a science, you know, we'd have way less books about it. Even as we started uh, this this reality of this service, I I got on Amazon and I typed in a couple of different topics that we're going to be talking about throughout this series. And uh, there are over 70,000 different books, not like 70,000 of the same books, 70,000 different books on Amazon on the topic of marriage. Okay? It's an art, not a science. If it was a science, there'd be one textbook and we'd all just get it down and we wouldn't have to continue to talk about it or have all these different opinions. There are over 50,000 different books, different authors, different opinions around the topic of dating. There's 30,000 different books on the subject of attraction, which we're going to be talking about today. And there are over 70,000 different books on the subject of sex. And so as you think about that reality, some of the topics that we're going to be talking about, we know that as we come to this topic, it can be complex, but it's something that we're all drawn to. It's something that we're all very interested in. And I just want to kind of put your minds at ease as you're sitting here right now and let you know that no matter what position you find yourself in as you sit here today. You may say, oh, well, you're talking about attraction today. Well, I'm already married, so maybe it won't apply to me, or I'm single, so maybe no matter where you find yourself, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether it is complicated for you, you know, that's one of the statuses that a lot of us have, maybe even right now. No matter where you find yourself, I think that each each message is going to have something for you to take away, no matter where you are in terms of your love life. And I think as we come to this topic. It's something that oftentimes a lot of churches or a lot of us, we kind of shy away from talking about when we link it with our spiritual lives because we think, well, does God really care about, you know, my, my, my love life? Does God really care about this thing, the art of love? But what's interesting throughout this series is we're gonna see that the Bible actually has a lot to say about our relationships and our romantic relationships. And so we are extremely excited about this series. As I said, we're talking about attraction today, and I thought I'd just share a little bit uh, of my personal story uh, with my wife. You know, you got to see that video and hear all these different first dates, some of them awkward. That one couple was on their first date, basically. Uh, that was kind of interesting. And, uh, and, and I know for, for me, my wife and I were Falcon Flames. We met here at BGSU. Specifically, we met in this church, which is pretty cool. And uh, we both came to college 
dating other people. And uh, so if you're, if you're like a freshman here and you're coming and you're dating somebody else, who knows? The person you're with right now might not be the person you're going to marry. Sorry if you're sitting next to them, if that's awkward. I'm just being honest with you, all right? So we came to college and uh, we were dating other people. And like most people, we thought, you know, maybe this time in our lives is the time that we'll meet the person that we're going to spend the rest of our lives with. Well, both of us broke up with our uh, prospective partners during that time. And for me, I uh, actually Actually, I had been in a relationship for like three years in high school, which was, uh, in my opinion, way too long. And so I, I went on this like this fast from dating. So I took a year between me and God. I'm not telling, saying that everybody should do this, but my junior year, halfway through my junior year of college to halfway through my senior year of college, I said, I'm not going to date anybody. Even if the perfect person comes along, I'm going to wait and try to grow and mature as a person because that's what I felt like God wanted me to do. And so right as the end of that time was about to conclude, at the end of my uh, senior year of college, I started noticing this girl, Sarah Duncan. And what was interesting about this girl was that we were both serving in a lot of different areas. We were serving in in similar things that we both love. We were both leading Bible studies for this church. We were both trying to help people uh, grow closer to Jesus. And something interesting happens when you're actually serving within the church. You look around and the people that are serving alongside you are oftentimes the people that God is drawing you to. And so as we started to notice each other, we were both kind of trying to play it cool, you know, not, not be too obvious about our interests, but we started to, if we were in a group of friends, we would kind of, you know, attract to each other and start talking to each other, or we would start noticing one another more, or uh, when, when we were in different groups, we would pick one another out and try to, try to talk to each other. And then we started talking to each other's friends. Hey, tell me what you know about this Sarah girl, you know, and everything I heard about her was positive. So it all came to this moment. We had never talked about how uh, we were interested in each other, but it came to this moment where she was sitting in the BGSU Student Union. Now, I'm going to date myself here. I don't feel like I'm that old, but this was before you could really text each other and set up a date. This was before, you know, Tinder or any of these other, like, online things that people use or, or farmers only, or I don't know what you guys use. Uh, this is before any of that stuff, okay? And so, Back in the dark ages, she was sitting there, and she was reading a newspaper. People used to do that, like a paper newspaper. And as uh, she was sitting there, I walked past her, and, and I thought, I'll throw out this, this feeler to see if she's interested. I said, hey, um, Sarah, how are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm fine, you know. And, and I said, I'm going to go to class right now, but I'm going to come back to the union and get some lunch. And uh, if you're still here, maybe we can grab lunch together. And she's like, okay, yeah, maybe. And what I didn't know, so I went to class, and of course, this is the big moment. Is she still going to be there when I get back or not, you know? And so she later tells the story. Of course, I didn't know this at the time, but she really wanted to get lunch with me, and she was so nervous that she would miss me uh, that she sat in that same spot reading the same newspaper for like an hour and a half. She didn't get up to go to the bathroom or anything because she didn't want to miss me. And so I came back, and there is sitting this beautiful young lady, Sarah, and I said, okay, well, let's go grab some lunch. So we went to the Union Pub, and, uh, and it wasn't an official date, but we started to have this conversation about just who we were and uh, what our backgrounds were and what God was doing in our lives. And we sat there for probably a couple hours, and uh, at the end of that time, we said goodbye, and uh, later on, I would go out on to ask her out on our first date. Well, what I didn't know at the time is she went home and called her stepdad and her mom after that first lunch and she said guys I just had lunch with the guy I'm gonna marry 
And they're like, what? What are you talking about? And, and, and she's like, I just had lunch with the guy I'm going to marry. Now, she, she's not one of those girls who said that about every guy, right? So this is the only time she'd ever said that. And so her stepdad's like, what are you talking about? Are you even dating anybody? And she's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, does this guy even like you? And she's like, well, I'm not really sure. I think so. And they're worried about her getting her heart broke. But a lot of times, women, you know before the guy what is going on, right? And so she had me in her sights, and I had no chance after that. And we, we dated for a short time and then got engaged and got married. And, and as I think back to those times, and, and I think about just the, the times of being attracted to one another and what God was doing in our life, I think that the reality is many of us, we long to have one of those stories. Now, that's our story. I don't project that story onto anybody. Everybody has their own unique story, but God has created us to be in relationships. I want you to hear that as you're sitting here today. God has created us to be in relationships. And it's not just romantic relationships that God has created us to be. God has created all of us to be in communion with one another. In fact, our God, the Christian God, is a God of relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who exists in perfect relationship for eternity. And so that longing that every single one of us has to be in a relationship is from God. So if you came here expecting to have a guilt trip for maybe being attracted to people or wanting to be in relationship, good news. That's not what this series is about at all. You see, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we go back to the very beginning. We talk about the very first relationship between Adam and Eve, and we see how their relationship started to play out. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, uh, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, it's interesting here. What happened is uh, God was creating a bunch of things. He created the ocean. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. And after everything that he created, he said, it is good. It is good. It is good. And then he creates man. And he says, it is not good. Now, some of you ladies are like, yeah, that's right. You know, he created man. It is not good. We could have just stopped there. But what God is saying is not that man wasn't good. Actually, he said man was good. Okay. Uh, he said, it is not good. It's the first First time that the Bible says it is not good because he says that man is alone. And so he says, I will make a helper suitable for him. And so as we think about this reality, God looks at Adam and he says, it's not good for him to be alone. I want you to know, no matter where you find yourself here, God doesn't want you to be alone. You can be single, but still not be alone. Because you can surround yourself with the people that God wants you to be in community that are building you into the man or woman that you can be. If you're dating or engaged, God doesn't want you to be alone. He wants to use the people in our lives. So let's read on Genesis chapter uh, 2, skipping down to verse 22. We see how that first relationship took form. It, it says, And then the Lord God made woman from his rib, and he had taken out of the man, and he had brought her to the man. And the man, he said, Now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And that's why the man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now before that, God put Adam into a deep sleep, took the rib out of him and produced Eve. And for all my single friends, you're sitting here thinking, wouldn't that be nice if that's the way that worked? Like you're single, you want to find that perfect person, you just take a nap, you wake up and they're sitting right there in front of you. And it's just like, poof, and you feel no shame. And it's like, yes, we're perfect, we're soulmates for one another. Uh, wouldn't it be great if that's the way that it worked? But it doesn't, does it? It doesn't work that way at all. Why? 
in Genesis chapter 3, we see that sin enters into the world. Sin enters into the world, and as sin entered into the world, that moment where they felt no shame now dissipates. And there are all these issues that come as sin enters into the world. And now things like heartbreak and playing games with one another and confusion are wrapped up oftentimes in the art of love. Because we don't live in the garden anymore. We live in a world that's fallen and broken. And so as a church, over the next four weeks, our hope is to come to you and try to help inform what God teaches us about relationships. Because let's be honest, it is one of the most prevalent parts of all of our lives, no matter where you find yourself in life. So today, as as we're talking about attraction, I want to give you a definition of, of what attraction says. If you go to the dictionary, Attraction is defined as this. It's a natural feeling of being drawn to other individuals and desiring their company that is usually but not necessarily due to having a personal liking for them. And you think, wow, that's an interesting definition. I mean, it's kind of vague, but I guess as we think about this this idea of attraction, it's a pretty vague idea in general, isn't it? And so today what we're going to do is go to the Bible and draw some conclusions that God talks to us about. And here's the big idea around attraction today. The big idea is this. Attraction is from God, but we have to be attracted to the right things. Okay, think about that for a minute. Attraction, romantic attraction, love, it is from God. He made it that way, but we have to be attracted to the right things. See, when most of us think of attraction, we think about the physical, right? We think about the exterior. We think about what somebody looks like. That's what many of us think about when we think about attraction. Uh, there's this movie with Jim Carrey. It's called Liar, Liar. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's got this funny scene where Jim Carrey is all, all just messed up and only thinking about the, the external of people. And uh, he's talking to his son, and his little son says, uh, my teacher says that beauty is on the inside. And Jim Carrey looks at his son, and he says, that's something that ugly people say to make themselves feel better, you know? That's kind of mean. I'm just telling you the line in the movie. But that's what many of us think about when we think about attraction. We only think about the outside. And today I want to look at the Word of God and see how attraction can go so much deeper than that. You see, it certainly is a starting point. Physical attraction can and should be a starting point, but it cannot be the destination. It cannot be the end point of a healthy, lasting relationship that's built on the gospel. So we're going to look at four different points about attraction together today. And the first one is this. Character outlasts beauty every time. Character outlasts beauty every time. Now, again, I want to be clear here that there is nothing wrong with being attracted to somebody physically. All right, that is how God made us. The question is, is that the stopping point? Is that all that we care about? Or do we go deeper and beyond that? This isn't a guilt trip series. This is a real series. And throughout the series, we're going to try to be honest and real with the condition that all of us have. We will be attracted to people physically, right? The question is, what do we do with that? And do we just keep it there or do we go to a deeper place? I want you to to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 with me. 
It says, your beauty, and Peter is talking to wives here. He says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Peter's talking to these young wives, and you have to figure that maybe their culture and their society is pretty similar to ours. And much of the world at that time had probably put a much more emphasis on the exterior than they needed to. And Peter's saying, listen, all that stuff is fine, but there's something much deeper, much more powerful. So don't get so caught up on the outside. Get caught up on what is inside a gentle and quiet spirit that is seeking after God. And I can tell you that those of us who are truly seeking after God, people will be attracted to, both romantically and beyond that. Oftentimes people will be drawn to us because they'll see this difference and this love for God. Proverbs uh, chapter 22, verse 1, it says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And so let me just say this, if you're somebody who's here and you're in the market for a relationship, you know, if you're somebody who's here and you find yourself in that single category and you're trying to figure out who you're going to spend time with, I want you to ask this question, what is their name like? What is their reputation like? What do other people say about them? I'm not talking about gossip. I'm talking about the real substance of who they are. Because if you want to know the type of person that you should spend time with and try to intentionalize time with to to move into dating and potentially marriage in the future, then the question is, what is their character like? Beauty can attract for a moment, but is it lasting or not? I got another quote from somebody that, that I, I like. It's kind of a guilty pleasure. I watch Judge Judy sometimes. Maybe you guys see Judge Judy. And Judge Judy says this phrase all the time. She says, beauty fades, but dumb is forever. Okay? And, and what she means is, you may be attracted to somebody, but listen, Matt Chandler says it like this. Gravity always wins. Okay? So somebody may be extremely attractive during a certain point in their life, but beauty will fade. I can tell you as I was sitting there in the union with with my wife. I was a much different looking man, okay? I was in better shape. I had more hair. All these different things, okay? When you think about that reality, we have to come to the, the grips of the fact that beauty can fade and it's fleeting and it can be in vain, but the substance and the character of who we are is what makes a relationship last. And if it's not built on that, then oftentimes it can crumble. I heard a pastor use this analogy, and I thought it was great. He, he was comparing attraction and relationships to like a cupcake. And he said, when you think about a cupcake, you look at it, and the first thing that you see oftentimes is the icing. You see uh, the frosting on top. And as you look at the icing, you can tell that oftentimes it's decorated really nice. And as you look at it, it draws your eye to it. And he says, there's nothing wrong with icing. But as you bite into that cupcake, and if it was only icing, icing and you ate icing over and over again eventually it would be disgusting right eventually it'd be sick because you need some substance in any good cupcake and he said that the icing on top of the cupcake it may be the outward appearance there's nothing wrong with it but the substance of any person at the core of who they are the cake of who they are is what really matters it's what makes the cupcake great it's what makes you be able to tolerate it and eat more and more because there's substance to it and so I want to ask uh, the person that you're looking at 
at is the person that you're considering, do they have substance in their life? Are they somebody who's built their life around following the Lord? That's who we need to be attracted to. Second is this. Second is this. I want to keep moving here. Second is this. Healthy attraction takes intentionality. Healthy attraction takes intentionality. I want to read a, a section of scripture that has nothing to do with relationships or dating, but it has application for this very fact. It's in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 17. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 17 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. See, Healthy attraction takes intentionality because what the Bible teaches us over and over again is that anything worth doing in our spiritual lives takes intentionality. And think about this. Don't we live in a world that tells us that we should just naturally be attracted to a person and once that moment of attraction hits, everything will be fine? Don't we live in a world that tells us that that if you're attracted to something, you should just pursue it, whatever that might be? But the Bible teaches us there are actually some things that aren't good to be attracted to, and there are other things that are. And we can apply that to our relationships as well. There are some people that we should not be attracted to, and there are others that we should. And as we think about that and we apply it to our dating relationships, I think of it like this. What we feed will grow, and what we starve will die. Think about any pet that you've ever owned. Think about any plant that you've ever tried to to produce. What you feed will grow. What you starve will die. And so now I want to talk to those of us who who are married in this room. Think about that. Do you want to continually be attracted to your spouse for the rest of your life? I know I do. That's going to take intentionality. Our culture that tells us that it'll just magically happen. You'll walk down the aisle and you'll just stay in love for the rest of your life. It it, it doesn't just magically happen. It takes intentionality. And so if I'm constantly thinking of my wife and trying to praise her in my head and speak to her in loving ways, then that attraction will continue to grow as she does that for me. But if I'm letting my mind run wild to places where it should not be, then I'm feeding something that is very dangerous. Oftentimes, you know, we talk in our culture, well, I don't know how it happened. You know, they just fell out of love. Well, nobody falls out of love, right? They were feeding something and starving something that they shouldn't have been starving. The reason people fall out of love is because they're starving their relationship with their spouse instead of feeding that attraction that can continue to grow. But it takes us being intentional, as Paul is talking here about killing the flesh and and feeding the spirit. The same is true in our relationships with one another. So healthy attraction, it takes intentionality. Third is this. Third is this. You can grow in your attractiveness. You can grow in your attractiveness. Check out 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. He says this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, into goodness, knowledge, into knowledge, self-control, 
and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing majors, measures, grow, increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is kind of related to the point that we just talked about, but have you ever heard that right person myth? I call it a myth because uh, oftentimes people think that if I just find that right person, they'll complete me. You know that Jerry Maguire movie? There's that line that a lot of us you know, reference and it's this really sweet romantic movie and it's like, you complete me. And then they just run off into the sunset for the rest of their life. There's this myth out there that if you find the perfect person, they will complete you and they will make you who you need to be. And the rest of your life, will be the two of you making each other the right people. But listen, the Bible tells us something different. The Bible tells us that no matter how great that spouse or that partner that you find is, no matter how loving, no matter how wonderful, no matter how amazing they are, they will never be able to completely satisfy you. They will never be able to mature you. Now, they'll be part of that process, but that Jesus is the only one who can continually grow us and mature us in the character and the people that we need to be. So as we seek to grow in our attractiveness, meaning grow in our character, grow in the people that God has created us to be, we have to run to the Lord. We have to run to Jesus because he can help us grow in our knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness. And as it comes from him, then it overflows into our relationships with one another. And so if we're looking for another person to complete us, we're going to be empty. We're going to put so much pressure on that other person that they will never be able to live up to the standards that we need them to live up to. But if we're looking to Jesus to grow us, to mature us, then and only then will we be able to walk in the freedom that God has for us. And so again, no matter where you find yourself, married, single, anything in between, are you looking to him? Are you looking to him to grow you and mature you and make you into that spouse or, or that person that somebody wants to marry? Are you growing in your attractiveness for the gospel? I want to close with point number four here. It's this. Attractions are something to be managed, not ruled by. Attractions are something to be managed, not ruled by. Again, we, we live in a, in a world, in a culture that tells us you cannot control what you're attracted to. But the Bible tells us something so much different. And we know that there are healthy attractions and there are other attractions that we need to move away from. And I think one of the, the, the best examples of this is found in, in 2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11 and 12, we see this story of King David. Now, many of us have maybe heard of Kim, King David. King David is somebody who wrote most of the Psalms. Kim, King David is somebody who is often talked about and referenced in the Bible. Well, King David had a moment in time where he was not managing his attractions in a healthy way. And, and it comes to this place where David was in charge of this nation, and they were at war. 
And during this time, the kings were supposed to go out to war with their armies. But instead of going out to war with their armies, David stayed at home. We don't know exactly why. Maybe he was lazy. Maybe he had something going on. But the rest of his men, the rest of his people are out fighting. And David is sitting at home in the comfort of his palace. And it says he's up on the roof of his palace. And as he's up on the roof, he starts scanning over the city. And as he's scanning over the city, he sees this beautiful woman. Bathsheba is her name. And she's bathing on the top of this roof. And as he sees her right away, he's attracted to her. And instead of managing that attraction like God would want for every single one of us to do because she was married to somebody else, she already had a family of her own. Instead of managing that, instead of looking away, instead of going to God and saying, God, I need to grow in my substance, I need to grow in my character, David gave in to temptation and he did something wicked and horrible. And David called for her and he sent his men to go get her and he brought her into his palace and he slept with her. And in that moment, Bathsheba ends up becoming pregnant, and all of a sudden, David realizes, I have myself in a mess because I didn't manage my attractions at all. And so now David starts his cover-up plan. Uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, was one of the, the main warriors for, for Israel at that time. And so David, instead of confessing and coming forward and trying to deal with the mistakes that he made, David tries to cover it up. And so he sends Bathsheba's husband out to the very front of the line, knowing that he is going to get killed. Thinking, if I can just get rid of her husband, then maybe this will be covered up. Maybe it'll just all go away. And so Uriah goes to the front of the line because he was a good warrior. He was a man of substance. He was a man of character. And he dies. And now David is in this spot where his plan to cover up his sin had kind of worked out. And you would think, and maybe you've been in this spot before, you would think when your plan to cover something up works out, you would feel a little bit of release and feel a little bit of joy. But instead, David felt more and more guilty. And his friend Nathan came to him and he confronts him on it. And he says, listen, what you did was wicked and wrong because David didn't manage his attractions. And all of a sudden, he repents and he falls on his face before God. And he says, God, you've given me everything. How in the world could I be so wicked? And David turns back to God. After this terrible mistake of, of murder, of lying, uh, of sexual sin that this man had committed, David repents and turns back to God. And you know the amazing thing about the story and why I want to end with this story is this. As many of us come to this topic and we're thinking about the next four weeks, the art of love, you may even come here a little bit uncomfortable. You may even come here thinking, man, I've blown it in this area so many times. I've made so many mistakes in who I've been attracted to and how I've lived my life and the people that I've spent time with. And I wanted you to hear that story because after David repented of some of the worst sins that we can possibly imagine, God restored him, and God called David a man after his own heart. A man after his own heart. And so I say that for those of us, myself included, who've fallen short in this area time and time again, to know that the gospel is a beautiful thing. 
you know, this series isn't just to, to give us some, some good tips and, and, and maybe make us feel guilty if we've made mistakes and try to make us be good people. This series is to try to help set us free and move closer to Jesus. And we want you to know that God can redeem any past mistake. God can make whole any relationship. If you find yourself here and you're in a marriage that you do not feel like is working, God can use this and his word and the people in his church to help grow you and mature you, God can bring freedom to all of us. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe that God can set us free. And so our hope and our prayer is that every single one of us would know God made you. God made you to be in community. For most of us, God made us to be in a romantic relationship. For most of us, God made us to be married to another man or to another woman. And the question is, will we center those relationships? Will we center everything that we do in our life on the gospel of Jesus? Because if we do, there's freedom, there's joy, and there's abundant life in that. So I want to pray, and I want to invite you guys to worship with us here in a minute.